Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 208. In this episode, we discuss the key items to report on for your stakeholders, clients, and team members, plus the awesome update to Gmail extensions. Plus, we follow up on our comment last time about rolling back automation of reports and answer listener question about what reporting to provide to small business customers and clients. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, marketing, and service results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Uh, I'm well, Ian, and I'm trying to think critically. Now tell me, why are you trying to think critically, Craig? All right. So I thought for shot one, our our growth thought of the week, I wanted to mention this importance of critical thinking because I'm sure many listeners, especially in countries where it's heading to end of financial year in Australia, we end of financial year is June 30. And I know that's the case uh, in many places around the world. It's really easy to get swamped with just day-to-day pressures. Plus we've coming, well, we're still in the midst of a crisis so many things happening the last few months. It's it's just go, go, go. Always on the back foot, putting out fires. And you've probably skipped thinking critically, critical thinking about things. And there's only so long you can do that before it starts to eat away at you. So I just wanted to, I guess, put a reminder when this goes live, probably be uh, past the end of financial year. Now's a good time to plan to take time out to think critically about your marketing strategies, your goals, how you're going to embrace the change that is present and is continuing to adapt. You've got to take that time out. I've been very fortunate the last week or two. Actually, just I had one last Wednesday. I had the whole afternoon. I just set aside for critical thinking, thinking about the business, some of the new products we're going to push out into market, just thinking about team, leadership, a whole bunch of things. And just having that three or four hours with nothing else, turned off email, turned off all the other stuff, just to think critically and plan. It's just a wonderful activity. So I'd encourage listeners to do that. I don't know. Have you had time to do that, Ian? I try to do that every week, Craig, on a Monday. I block out the first bit of the day to do that in the week. And I think that does help. And like I've said to our listeners before, and like we try to do is make sure we're journaling and being grateful every day because it really puts things into perspective. And you know what? I was speaking to someone today who's been in business, gone through a bit of a tough time, and then was start was thinking, really, I should have been here, but I'm not. But then when I look from the outside and I look in, I'm like, you actually got to be really proud of where you've got to. And I don't think she realized that. So, yeah, there you go. I think that's a really good reminder as well. Part of critical thinking is reflection on what you've achieved. It can be so easy to think, oh, everything's really difficult. We haven't achieved anything. But actually, if you stand back and take stock, you probably have. That's right. Now, Craig, on to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And since this is a lot around reporting and types of reporting, we're going to talk about revenue attribution reporting reminder. And this is if you have a HubSpot marketing professional and enterprise. That's right. A good reminder about this has been here for a while and we've discussed it on the show before, but the revenue attribution report is a really good way to drill into what channels, content, what touches are driving final revenue. So as the name implies, it's about revenue. It's pulling from deals in your HubSpot portal. And we've got a screenshot here where you can drill into it. You can slice and dice it. And the really good thing I like about it, well, two really good things I think are useful. First, 
the kind of attribution model you can have. And in the screenshot, I've just shown the difference between three of the attribution reports. There's first and last interaction, but also in the middle, there's kind of this linear approach. It's really interesting, I think, to see how if you just look at first interaction, that'll be really skewed to one channel. Whereas if you bring in others, like linear and last interaction, it really highlights things such as email marketing really helping in terms of driving that deal through to completion. Their first interaction might have been another channel, but email marketing really works in this particular case. And also, the other thing that's really good about this report is you can drill into any of them. So, you can actually click onto the dollar numbers and you can see an outline. It just gives you this timeline of contacts. Then you can drill into a contact and see all their touches, how they've come about. We find this really useful and why this is such a good item for this week's episode, given the listener question we've got coming up later in the show, it's because this is where it really matters, the revenue. And part of your reporting is, well, what drove that revenue? And sometimes digging into each individual deal, pulling out those insights, looking at how those people came in. That's the hard work we have to do as marketers. And uh, later we'll talk about how automation can sometimes just avoid and overlook all of that. That's where the gold is. And this attribution report from HubSpot is a great way to drill into it. And Craig, I just want to add, if you sometimes look into contacts, you will notice that some of the things that we would do in terms of paid advertising, so in terms of remarketing or retargeting, you will actually see people are clicking on those ads to come back and as, a, as another channel, right? And so, it's really interesting. People go, oh, it doesn't matter. I don't worry about that. But you'd be surprised. Sometimes there is that recall effect or people forget and then they see something. They go, oh, hang on. I was, I was researching this and I need to go back. And you'll see that in the timeline if you go through. So, it's actually as much as you've got this report, I'd also encourage people to delve into some of the contacts that have history and see their journey because it can really highlight to you things, especially if you're doing lead scoring and you go, well, you know, look at these deals that closed and these were good customers that we really liked. What was their journey? What did they do? And what were those points? And just go through them individually. We did that with a customer a little while ago to work out some of the lead scoring. And I think that made a massive effect because you could kind of see the journey that people had gone through to get to the end. All right, Craig, on to our HubSpot sales feature of the week. And this is the HubSpot Gmail extension that has got so much better. Oh, this is so good. Just talk us through this. I I love this little update. So, listeners, if you are using Gmail as your work email, you will probably have seen you have a login track setting on your email. And possibly this week and as this rolls out, you will start to see it showing what it's logging against. And it's got a number. It'll tell you the number of uh, records that they're logging the email against. So, where this is really great is that if you've got multiple people on the email or you've got deals or you've got tickets, you can now select and go, okay, well, I only want to send it to these people or I want to log it to this company. I want to log it to this ticket or this deal. So, if you've got multiple deals in a company and people that are discussing, you now have the option to do this, which is fantastic. This is so good. Uh, We've got screenshots in the show notes. Listeners, if you're wondering what we're talking about, you'll see the screenshots will make sense and you'll just go, oh, one of those features that when you see it, you'll go, oh, how could we have not had this before? (laughs) We could never go back. That's right. Now, I guess I will have to check, Craig, that it has rolled out on the Office 365 
update and I'll have a look at that with a customer of ours a little later on and tell listeners or if you are listening and it has happened let us know now Craig we're on to our listener question of the week and this is from Chad and this is following on from the form of our last episode where he talked about the downside of automating everything and his question was I wanted to reach out and see if we could provide any insights and advice more about what do you typically include in reporting, especially for smaller business clients? And what's a good process and monthly check-ins to do to facilitate that? Yeah. And thanks, Chad. Um, I, I'm not sure if we had his permission to mention him in full, but Chad, so we've only, we haven't mentioned your last name. Thanks for the question. Really good question. And just to reiterate, in case uh, listeners didn't hear our episode last week, at the start of episode 207, I talked about the fact that automation can sometimes be a bad thing. And as marketers, we try to automate as much as possible and make things more efficient. But in reporting, you can fall into the trap where you just create these automated reports, send them to the client and never talk to them. Well, we actually really want to check in with our clients. And so Chad's question is, well, what do you include in the reporting? And in his case, with smaller clients, the first thing I'm going to say is that we tailor our approach to each client based on their goals. So before we used to just have, here's our standard reporting, you know, this is our process, cookie cutter, here's what we do, send it out, quick follow-up call, bang, whatever. Or even worse, we'd say, if you've got any questions, let us know. That was, we realize now a big mistake. We thought we were being more efficient and they would just contact us if they had questions. But now we realize they never look at the reports. They have no idea what's going on. And if they do look at the reports, it's not answering the questions about what's working. It just tells them what's happened. It doesn't actually tell them why. So the first thing is we tailor it to each client. Some of our clients want in-depth details. They want to drill into the details. Others aren't. And most of them, I would say, don't want all the details. They just want the highlights. And what we've noticed with clients is kind of a maturity cycle that they go through. So a really immature client wants to know about rankings. Oh, what's my rankings for this particular term? Then they kind of progress a bit and they're like, oh, well, I don't really care about the rankings. I actually care about the traffic. And then they move to, well, what's the engagement when they get to the site? Then they start getting more mature and they're like, oh, what are the leads? What leads are this generating? Then they're like, well, what's the quality of the leads? And then ideally they're talking about, well, what customers are we getting? What's the life cycle and where they're getting? And then of course, which customers are turning into repeat sales if that's appropriate for their business. So the way way we tackle that, we're obviously trying to get clients towards the, the bottom end of that when they're talking more about leads and customers and revenue. So we do automate creating reports where possible, but we don't automate sending them to clients. Instead, we analyze the reports, we pull out insights, and we organize to discuss with the client. Now, do you follow a similar process, Ian? And what kinds of things we've got in the show notes, listeners can look, we've got actually things we include in the reports. We'll go through that in a second. But do you follow a similar process? What's your approach, Ian? It is a very similar process, Craig. And I think as we've shifted towards working more with sales teams and with marketing teams directly and together, we have this conversation, especially about leads and lead quality and what's converting to an opportunity and a customer. So that's a really key metric. To be honest, we don't even look at traffic stats beyond a certain point we do keep an eye on it like we want to know is it going up or down but really the lead indicator here is what inquiries are we getting and what stage of the journey are they at that's a really key aspect 
So in HubSpot is having those key reports. And now that we can create more dashboards, we, we really utilize that. So we have dashboards, uh, especially with one of the one of our customers, we have they have a weekly dashboard. So we, we make sure that that weekly data is getting through and we look at even key metrics, even around when people are inquiring. But now even I send a customer uh, survey feedback when they've inquired five days later to find out what the person's experience was with that salesperson, they contacted them. And I've been getting really interesting responses, which is which has been great. But that's now another metric we include in the reporting and that we discuss on a weekly or fortnightly basis. I think that's really good. A, a few other things I'll just highlight depending for some clients we talk about this some they don't care but cost of acquisition cost per lead we do go into those pieces as well depending on the volume that they're after and also what worked what didn't the more mature our clients are the more they'll say okay what worked what didn't okay it didn't great what are we going to do about it so they're often quite happy to hear what didn't work as well as what did and then we normally finish up with what new ideas we want to test and then the plan for the next month and like you we rarely talk about traffic or social engagement rarely talk about rankings the only caveat i'll say to that though is unless the client is specifically focused on an seo project and they've identified a whole lot of keywords that they do want to improve around organic then of course that's when rankings would be part of that and also the traffic it drives but yeah that's really it and i hope that's helpful to chad let us know but the summary would be it's a mix of things. It's tailored for each client and there's a focus on leads and ideally, if possible, revenue attribution. All right. The HubSpot Extra of the Week this week is the improved import to blog from Google Docs. Now, people, you might not know that it's there, but it is. And now it's better. So previously, if you had imported stuff, you probably got lots of characters and things in format correctly. Well, now it handles it, doesn't it, Craig? Well, the way it's better is that it pulls in all the formatting and it does preserve the formatting better. But I don't know a use case where you want to do that. So the first thing we do after importing is we go to clear styles, clear it all up, which I'm happy to say works really well. So I think that I I don't know for sure, but I suspect the difference is that they're preserving formats in a more standards-based way rather than all this custom styles that they used to have. All right, and now our marketing tip of the week, Craig, is a Twitter uh, adding voice notes. Yeah, it's rolling out for some iOS users. We don't have it yet, but when we do, we will. And what it means is that you can record a 140-second voice note. So 140 seconds, it shows that because originally Twitter was 140 characters. So there's a bit of a legacy kind of uh, trend they're following there. But that's really about two and a half minutes, just under two and a half minutes. And... The thing I'll add is that this audio consumption component is growing. Have you noticed that every man and his dog has a podcast now? It seems like in just in the last two months, everyone has a podcast. It just suddenly exploded out of nowhere. Not out of nowhere, but... Well, we knew it was coming, right? There's so many companies I've seen who are announcing their first episode of a podcast. And I think that's because the tools are so easy these days, setting up podcasts really easy. And of course, Twitter's showing, yeah, well, audio is really big. And so that'll be a bit... So we're actually looking, well, how can we launch a two and a half minute podcast? And so we'll be having little 140 second episodes that we'll be putting on Twitter only. Watch this space. I'm excited, Craig. Now, inside of the week, Craig, is email tracking will continue to be less accurate. And we have seen this from certain providers. And even if you think about uh, 
Apple's announcements this week, these things are going to get harder. Yeah, privacy is growing, which is good. And email tracking is is getting blocked. And so we've just got a screenshot. This is from hey.com. And if you've been following lately, hey.com is a new email rethinking, which is really nice. I managed to get my invite finally. <laughs> I'm in there. So I'm, I really like it. Uh, for those of you who don't know it, you can check out the link. But they've actually, one of their examples from their site, which we've got a screenshot, is they said, <laughs> you're protected. We blocked a spy tracker in this thread. This thread contains a spy tracker from HubSpot. Because <laughs> you know how HubSpot <laughs> has the little tracking pixel. And we've blocked it. We've protected you from these spy trackers. So there we go. HubSpot in this particular example. And the point about this is that this is this is not an exception. This is going to become the norm. So in future, the open rates on your emails, they'll keep going down because they will just be getting blocked and they won't count as opens. However, clicking will still be logged because that's based on UTM parameters as opposed to a, a spy tracking pixel, Ian, but uh, UTM parameters. So just be aware of that and your email open rates will continue to become less accurate. All right, Craig, we've got a resource of the week. I'm going to quickly go through it. And if those of you don't know, we love uh, everything Apple around here. So I watched the keynote at the, which which is the developer conference that is just taking place. And what I love about this is some interesting stats, which gives us a perspective of what's coming in the future. And so talking about voice, Siri gets 25 billion requests a month. Just think about that. 25 billion requests, Craig. Yeah, but Ian, how many of them are unique? How many of them are repeats from people going, no, Siri, I meant the, no, Siri, no, I meant, I meant. Uh, like my sons, um, hey, Siri, can you do this maths equation for me? Or tell me what the weather is. There you go. All right. What they were saying was uh, with Siri, there are 20 more facts, 20 times more facts than three years ago. So obviously that data data is building up. What's actually really interesting, they can run neural detection on the device. So I think the devices are getting to a stage now where there is so much computational power on our on these devices in our pockets that they're able to do a lot of things on the device, which is fascinating. So what does that mean? Does that mean it's per device or like if you upgrade your phone, get another phone, does it transfer that learning over or is it done on the fly? It's not a historical thing or yeah. Because it builds a pattern over time. So it, it is obviously done and stored on the device, but I I don't know whether when you migrate, I'm assuming that when you do, it should be transferring that because you're upgrading a device. I'm assuming Apple would have kept that. They're not going to start again. So I would suspect it goes there. Another thing that they said was the 40% increase in messages and the two times increase in shared conversations. Now you can see WhatsApp has a market and so does WeChat. And I think what Apple's trying to do is get into that market and have a part of that. So just all the improvements they've announced with messages and what's going to happen ahead is actually really interesting. And even using the neural detection and everything on the devices will drive a lot of that. And now here's an opportunity, listeners. Apple Maps is going to really do a big push on places and make it richer. So if you have a store, a restaurant, a business that has a shop front, 
this is an opportunity for you. I'd be, I'd be getting on there, learning more about it and how to actually utilize it because they're going to push this more to the fore so that people can actually get to where they want to be at the right time and get what they want in the right moment. And even to the point where they're making these, uh, what they call applets, which is a small part of an app and can be read by the NFC, the QR code, messages and maps. And they're basically trying to create something where it just makes it far too easy to rock up somewhere and point your phone and go, okay, I need this. Or I need to make an order. Oh, I've got to download this app. It can just download a part of the app, fulfill the transaction and you're off. And there's an opportunity for listeners to think about, well, what does that mean for the businesses we work in? So there's some fascinating things coming. And, you know, I love cars. So one of the things about maps, they've got EV routing based on the car you have. So understanding the car and where those charging stations are. And the next one is rolling out now in 2021 is a digital key for a BMW 5 Series where you can unlock the car, start the car, and you can share that key, Craig. So if I had that car, I can share the key with you if I knew that you were coming to pick me up. I could share the key with you without actually having to give it to you and you can pick up the car and it'll probably tell you where the car is too. Yeah, these are all the things that seem like that's not hard, right? There's no technology breakthrough to do that. It's just about implementing it well. It's all about the execution, isn't it? Making it easy. I would love to just have my phone for everything. My front door, my office door, my car, everything, and also replaceable, like I, so I could easily share it across all my phones, you know, if I had multiple devices and things like that. It just seems so much better. Surely that – I don't know why it's taken so long. What What's – Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> I think a lot. I think a lot of it has to do with integration into the cars. They run a lot of very different systems, and lo- lots of different control units. As I've learnt over the time of owning cars and having mechanics that are that we help, the number of control units in a car that are, and the number of detection systems has really like it's gone up considerably so everything has to talk to one another and obviously having apple carplay in cars was their first step to get through to all of this now i think there was an astounding um numbers like 80 percent of cars on the road now have apple carplay so i think that was step number one this is step number two now let us use this to do everything else so there you have it All right, listeners, as we finish our quote of the week, it says, and this is from Roy Sutherland, Craig. Yeah, so Rory Sutherland, uh, he's written a book called Alchemy, which I'm enjoying at the moment. And thank you to Kylie, who recommended this book to me. Here's the quote, a flower is simply a weed with an advertising budget. That's out of context. Within the book, it's a wonderful analogy for marketing in general. And I'm really enjoying the book. That's gold, Craig. Now, listeners, there are some bonus links uh, when you get a chance. Have a look at them. Again, we would love you to connect with us on LinkedIn. Please connect with us. Tell us you listen to the show because everyone connects and tries to sell us something. So connect, say you listen to the show and we would love to connect with you. Have a chat and uh, thank you to all the listeners that send us feedback and questions we do appreciate it and also you can go up and sign up on the site and you will get a weekly email of the episodes that are coming out so you can get a link directly to it well craig until next time catch you later ian thank you for listening to this episode of hubshots for show notes resources hubspot news including practical strategies you can implement visit us at hubshots.com